0: Head on over to morgandwilliams.com newsletter and putting your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now let's start today's show.
1: What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years, and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast. For you each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome, Welcome to, to
0: Outbound, outbound Metrics. Metrics. Tito Bort is the founder and CEO of AltiSales, a leading sales development consultancy and outsourcing company. Tito was awarded Best SDR Leader of 2018 at the Sales Development Conference and is a certified sales expert by sales hacker. Tito has hired and trained over 100 SDRs and written extensively about excellent sales development practices. He's an avid public speaker, having spoken at Outreach Unleashed and the Sales Development Conference. He's also an investor and advisor to fast-growing startups and has sold software deals ranging from $1,000 a year to $1 million a year all over video conferencing. Tito, it's a pleasure to have you on. Are you ready to dive in?
2: I am. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Glad you could join us. You're very well-known on LinkedIn in the sales development space. So I feel like we don't have to go through that intro type of thing, like here's who I am, but I would like to just give the uh, audience a timeline off of what you have built over the past 10 years. So just like quick bullets for people listening. 2012, Tito's an SDR for one large client, Citrix 2013, becomes a manager, has eight reps underneath them. 2014, 15 reps plus another manager. 2015, 27 reps, three managers. 2017, put the business on pause. And restarted in 2017 with a focus on landing six and seven figure enterprise deals. He works with venture backed startups and enterprise companies with engagement starting at 200K to 300K annually. And his company leverages remote SDRs based in the US and abroad, specifically South American countries like Colombia and Costa Rica. All right. So you're not very seasoned, but um, that's okay. Just kidding. (laughs) Just (laughs) kidding. It's incredible. That's incredible. Good stuff. So, like, real. I would like to go over um, just to give some people some some background on like how you run things. How does sales get results? What makes sales different?
2: I think that what makes us different is really our big focus on data, on operations, and workflows. I think that one of the biggest problems right now in the industry is that people split up the old AE role, which used to be you were an account executive and you would prospect your own deals, you would close the deals, and then you would even do onboarding and maintenance for that account hmm. and you would keep them happy. right? Hmm. That later on split into account executives versus customer support slash success. And later on that split into account executives now becoming SDRs plus AEs. I think that the next division comes on the SDR side, just like customer success split into like onboarding versus account management right i think SDRs are going to be also be split between like data research versus like actual sales development and it's a trend that we've seen emerging already i wrote about this in 2017 and the market ignored it right and then <laughs> slowly but surely people start contacting me like tito how do you do these data research teams what do they research what are the data points blah blah, blah and so on and so forth and nowadays the way that Altisales sales really wins is we have a very well structured team where we have a data research team. We really put a lot of effort into our target accounts and buyer personas, create all the sequences for the SDR. So when you join here as an SDR, you at least have the foundational things that you need in order to succeed. Yeah, uh, you have a call calling script, you have email templates, you have LinkedIn messages, you have like video scripts, whatever you might need to do your job. And you also have all the data uploaded into outreach, ready to go. As time goes by, the SDRs get better and better and better on their job, and they collaborate with other departments in order to maximize results. So, yeah, we're running a world-class team. I mean, from from the moment we wake up until we go to bed, we're thinking sales development. So as a CEO, I don't need to be doing what the tech CEOs need to do, which is programming and infrastructure and HR and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Like I, My product is sales development. My life is sales development.
0: Awesome. So you're further splitting these roles as division of labor And that emphasis on data research, target accounts, personas, and creating the sequences for SDRs so that when you recruit these SDRs, they're seasoned, they have some time under their belt, and you're helping them just, hey, all you have to do is focus on what you're good at and we'll give you everything you need to get that done.
2: That's right. And then the the job is much less annoying, right? The reason why people quit the SDR job is not because they don't like talking to people on the phone. Well, the reason they don't like the SDR job is because they don't want to be doing four hours worth of data research and copy-pasting data from one place to the other. That's the annoying part, right? Yeah. Talking yeah. on the phone is not the problem. It's you're going to make $100 to get four conversations. That's the hard part, right?
0: Right. And right. when
2: somebody picks up the phone and you're not ready, you don't have the data and you don't know what to say, you're going to get hung up on. So you really got to practice and get better at it. And, and it takes time and it takes effort and it takes data and metrics for somebody to coach you and teach you and show you the right ways. So that's a, that's what needs to continue to improve all the time.
0: Absolutely. SDRs are being asked to do more and more of the scope creep of the SDR role, but they're being given less at the same time to get it done Yeah, and stuff. I would love to go into a, um, I'd like to, let's say let's drop Tito into a SaaS company and let's say, Hey, Hey Tito, you're the new VP of sales development. We need to start landing six and seven, bigger enterprise clients, enterprise accounts. I'd love to hear how you would do that from beginning to end. And first, starting off with, is this company, let's let's to, to kind of kick things off. We'll talk about where does the company need to be to start thinking about and start going after the enterprise, start going up, up market, and then kind of take it from
2: there. Right. And I can definitely talk about the sales development perspective of it. What mm-hmm. I won't be able to talk too much about, but it's very important, is is your product ready. Sure. Right? So if you haven't landed any six figure deals and you want to hire me to come land you six figure deals, I'll be very skeptical. I'll be like, why do you believe that you will ever be able to close a six figure deal? Like, is your product worth six figures? But let's ignore that. And let's say you're bringing me to a company that has three six figure deals or two six figure deals and a seven figure deal, and you want me to find you the next 20 mm-hmm. or 50 or 100, right? Like, we want to go from small, medium-sized company to now becoming a big company, eventually IPOing. Cool. First things first, target accounts. And what I would do is I would look at the two or three, four or five clients that you've closed and figure out who they are and figure out who their competitors are. Because if you close Pepsi, it's not that hard to call Coca-Cola and tell them that you want to talk to them. If you close Verizon, do the same with AT&T. If you close Unilever, call Procter & Gamble. If you close Hilton, call Marriott. Like, you're going you're gonna to be able to figure out what are the target accounts. One of the key aspects that I think a lot of companies get wrong is they don't have what I call the golden list. And the golden list is a list of all the accounts that are good fits for you. And it's impossible to build it overnight, but it's a very key asset to be building over time. And what you need to do is you have a file that is a master file where companies are coming in and out of, and it depicts what companies are good fits. And the reason you need that is because I see a lot of like SDRs prospecting into accounts. They get a meeting for the AE and the AE says, man, we're never going to be able to sell that company. That's not a good company. Time is time and effort are being wasted and resources and data research and you're paying for leads for contacts that work and accounts that aren't going to be good accounts. So the first thing is get the right target accounts. Once you have the right target accounts, I think you need to start building sequences. And the old like email only or phone plus email won't cut it. And Spray and Pray won't cut it. So what you need to do is start collaborating more with marketing. One of the emerging trends we're seeing is is SDRs calling accounts that are being served personalized ads. So if I want to get into Square and I'm trying to sell the head of sales at Square because I want to take their sales team to the next level by landing them enterprise deals, I would use technology to display them ads to the sales department or CRO even. That says, Square, let's take your sales team to the next level. And it has the Alt-Sales logo at the bottom. And it says, learn more or whatever. And while they're being served those ads, I would call them. I would email them. I'll ping them on LinkedIn. I'll send an SMS. I'll put videos together. Like, I'll go multi-channel. And I'll try to get their attention. And I won't do it for long. I'll do it for two weeks or three weeks. It'll be short uh, sprints of like 8 to 15 touches total across multiple channels. And I'll try to get their attention. Now, going from getting their attention, right, which should get us a meeting, to closing a deal is a long path. And then you start—you're starting to get there on the account executive workflows. And how's an inbound lead and an outbound lead very different, and so on and so forth. But stop there.
0: Okay. And you said eight to fifteen touches over one to two weeks. That we said.
2: No, two to three
0: weeks. Two to three weeks. Okay, got it. So just to just to recap, is your product ready, right? Are you, have you landed these six- and seven-figure deals in the past? If not, that's a red flag. But for this example, we're saying, yes, you have. Cool. Number one, target accounts. Who have you closed and who are their competitors? So Starting out from those accounts you have sold to and, and who else is in that sphere and building a living list of your golden list of companies who are flowing in and out. Or it's a it's, it's living list, so companies adding and getting deleted. But who are your best fit companies as as, as your company Grows
2: or change. Yeah, and and for that golden list, the first time you build it, I'm fine with it being somewhat of a data dump. I'm fine you going on Zoom Info and finding companies that have over 500 employees in XYZ industries, and boom, and pulling 10,000 accounts. Fine, that's the beginning. From that day onwards, you can never again dump companies in or dump companies out en masse. It has to be cherry picked. It's one by one. One. I need a human eye and I need decision-making, somebody being told, yes, this is good or no, this is not good. Because that list is then going to be your target addressable market. And having that list allows you to do really cool things because we're increasing the level of effort, right? If we're going to mm-hmm. send a LinkedIn message and send a video and do an email plus phone plus all these things, the amount of money now we're spending per account just to try to get a meeting might be $100, $200. So, if 10% of your accounts are bad and you're reaching 100 accounts a month, 10% is 10 accounts a month. You're wasting $2,000 a month on bad accounts. And I know companies that like 40% of the target accounts are just like not great. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, and there's no like it's good versus not good. Yes, there's a line to be drawn there, but it's really a lot of gray area. Right. Like if you close Pepsi, probably Coke is like the top account you want to close. Same with Hilton and Marriott. But there's also accounts that are like very good, good, okay, unclosable, and, and then there's trash. So like the more you start shifting your focus towards the top, the more valuable your sales development team is because your AEs are more likely to close those deals. Right At the end of the day, you, you want to be optimized not for meetings, but for revenue. Awesome.
0: A couple of things. How long is that list typically and how often do you review like that cadence, to review that
2: list? I think this is something that a lot of companies do wrong. Like they grab an SDR and they're like, let me give you 200 accounts. And then they give them 200 accounts. And then three months later or whatever amount of time, they say, okay, we're going to swap your accounts. And they take all the accounts out and they give them new accounts. Mm. It's a very common thing to do with account executives and territories and things like that. I hate that. Here's what you should do. Call it you build your list of like 10,000 accounts you're going to go after. And you have five SDRs. Okay. Okay. What should you do? Should you give him all two thousand accounts for three months? No, they're going to spray and pray the hell out of that list. That's a bad idea. It's too many accounts. Okay, should you give him just a hundred accounts and for three months and see what they can do? Sure, but like, what happens with all the other accounts, right? And what if another account comes inbound? Who takes it? Is it round robin? Like things like that, right? So, here's what I do. For all inbound purposes, so if any lead knocks on your door via inbound, I divide my list in the number of SDRs I have. So I have 10,000 accounts. I'll give 2,000 accounts each. And then if there's a demo request, whoever had that account takes it. On the outbound, I do something different. I do an account drip. What does that mean? I'll grab my list of 10,000 accounts. I order it alphabetically very easily. And I'll give like a 100 accounts to each trap. As soon as they they start either booking meetings or discarding accounts for different reasons, I will top off their accounts. So they have a hundred accounts. They start working. They book seven meetings. Cool, we're at ninety three. Another fifteen companies have said, you know, go to hell, never call my company. Cool, you're at seventy eight. Another twelve have said, I just bought another product similar to yours. My contract is not over for another three years. Call me later. Cool, you're at you know, whatever, 66, cool. Just top off those accounts, like give them another 10. Every time they get below the 85 threshold, give them another 10 or 20. So then you keep getting accounts and they're not able to like cherry pick what accounts they like because it's very easy to cherry pick and hold them forever. So I just give them another 10, 10 accounts, 10 accounts, 10 accounts, 10 accounts. I make sure that accounts are flowing in out of their ownership. No SDR can own any account for more than 90 days. And then that's it. And then if you have new, ac- new SDRs joining the team, you don't need to be drawing ma- drawing lines on a map. Like that to me is ridiculous for like today's day and age. Yeah, what obviously... do you do? Yeah, geography is ridiculous. Yeah. Just grab your list of accounts, new SDR, cool. Give them another 100. The next 100 that come in the, in the alphabetical list. And when they're starting to get to 98, to 60, 70s, whatever. Give them another 20 accounts, give them another 20 accounts. And that's it. Awesome. Super simple.
0: Awesome. And I totally agree with you about geography, but can you just explain real quick why that's not a great idea?
2: I mean, geography is so unfair, right? I, I wrote right. a blog post about this where imagine you are selling to farmers, right? Okay, fine. You split by geography, but when you split by geography, like you still need some criteria that you're grouping geographies by, right? Mm-hmm. Are you looking at the total population per state? Or are you looking at the GDP per state? Or are you looking at something else, right? And when you look at the GDP, I think if I go back to my blog, I, I knew this top of top of mind when I wrote it two or three years ago. But you look at GDP, I think California has 10x the GDP of I don't know, I think it was Nevada or something like that, mm-hmm. right? But also 10x the GDP of like Oklahoma, right? right? But when you look at the number of companies that it has, I think it has like 30x, uh, and I think it was 10x the the GDP of Oregon. And when mm-hmm. you compare to those four states, like California has 10x the GDP of Oregon, but it also has like 40x the number of like companies headquarters in California. And therefore, GDP is not a good measure. You look at population, the same thing is true. And then, even if you're selling something very specific, like if you're selling technology, guess what? Like if you got Iowa, Iowa tends to be a laggard in technology adoption. California tends to be an early adopter. So it's not even the GDP or the population. Like there's also cultural differences in their propensity to adopt things Mm -hmm. so by dividing it by territory you're picking a variable that actually affects people's mindsets and that is like completely unfair if i just do it in in alphabetical order it's completely random my next 10 companies might be all over and guess what everybody's remote today i don't know any sales rep that has been going and like into a headquarters and meeting with the executive suite in a boardroom and doing a presentation and selling anything since like March 2020. We're we're two years in, and things are flowing fine. Mm -hmm. Why do we ever need (laughs) territories again? I don't know. Geography sucks as a way to divide um, accounts.
0: Right. Like you're saying, it's pretty antiquated. used to make sense, but not so much anymore.
2: Correct. And and the one thing to distinguish is people are going to tell me, but how about we split by uh, industry? Or how about segments? How about enterprise versus SMB? Are you saying we should get rid of all that? I'm not saying that. I'm saying the only thing you get rid of is geographical territories. I am all in for having two teams one for enterprise one for smb of course have different teams okay now you have an enterprise and an smb team you have 10 enterprise sellers how should you split the accounts territories no just alphabetical list and split it's very simple
0: love it yeah. love it moving on to that second step building sequences at this point at this company where your first step is collaborate more with marketing. SDR is reaching out to companies who are being served ads and you're reaching out multi-channel eight to 15 touches over two weeks. Two things I want to get into here, the marketing to SDR and AE handoff, actually, excuse me, let's just marketing to SDR and then SDR best practices. I'd like to start with, if you could quick, briefly touch on, in the culture of a company, the natural marketing to sales or SDR kind of rift and like if you like navigating that we don't have to get too much into it but how does that play into it
2: I'll tell you all the problems right like marketing wants to get credit for everything they do and they want all their leads to be considered good leads and they want props from their CEO about all the leads they're generating At the same time, sales development doesn't want to call leads that aren't good because sales is going to reject them. What do we need to do? That goes back to building the first list. If you have your list of accounts, that is your golden list where all those accounts have been agreed upon by the company, those are good target accounts. Now, here's how you do it. Marketing can only pass leads to sales development that are part of those target accounts. If the target account is not in the list, lead doesn't count, right? And you might make some exceptions. You might say, okay, if it's outside of the list, especially in the early days of a company, because you're building this, if it's outside this list, it has to pass certain criteria. Over 500 employees, blah, 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 whatever territory, this type of product, like X many sales development reps or whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's a good, good account. But of that, you don't advertise to those. So now you have an agreement with marketing on what accounts you're going after. If you get a demo request, I just schedule meetings. It doesn't matter the title. But if marketing send me like webinar attendees or uh, leads scored, okay, if you're scoring leads at the lead level, that's not great because like you might score a lead. It it lands on my desk and I have the intern or like the the manager, somebody who's very, very low level. If I send that meeting to an AE, they're not going to like it. Right. right, they they don't like taking those meetings because there's no uh, access to power, and they won't be able to get the criteria of the first move to the next stage in pipeline. So what you need to do is you need to to like lead score accounts. Cool. Now that we have an agreement upon what accounts we want to go after, and you're scoring those accounts or whatever else, or you getting me demo requests? Now we have something to work on. So that handoff is very easy, and my sequences, as I was saying, tend to be eight to 15 touches over three weeks. Because here's what I found. If you call any person more than four or five, six times, people start getting annoyed. Like Mm -hmm. they'll recognize your number, 17th call on week seven. Like, screw you, sales rep. Like, please, anybody trying to prospect me, don't call me 17 times. Call me three (laughs) or four and and leave a voicemail at least once or twice, right? Mm -hmm. And send me a few emails. But if I don't respond to like, Four of your emails, like, quit, right? Mm. Send me a first email, do a bump. If that didn't work, send me another email, do another bump. If that doesn't work, like, see so yeah, like, don't insist anymore. Otherwise, I'm going to block you and I'm going to be annoyed. So that's our methodology. Like, find the right target accounts and be persistent to the point that you try to make sure that you get their attention, but you also don't annoy them too much. And the way to get their attention is to be multi-channel. Like, Call plus email plus LinkedIn ads plus LinkedIn message plus video plus whatever else you want to do. Like the more areas I get to see your face, your name, your whatever, it's going to increase your chances of getting a meeting for sure.
0: Gotcha. So it's not about necessarily doing a high volume of touches, about the quality of those touches by going through different channels to get someone's attention. Keep the actual Time and touch as you're reaching out, relatively compact, right? Eight to fifteen over two to three weeks, but do it across several channels so that you have a better chance of getting them engaged with you. Um, Correct. One thing wanted to touch on with lead scoring accounts: you said marketing can only pass leads that are part of the golden list of accounts, or if outside the list, has to fit certain criteria, and then they must lead score accounts. So this golden list plus scoring the accounts. So are they not? So they are. Are they only sending like let's say? Is that part of that criteria? Like only directors in a Like is that to make sure they don't get, they don't pass through leads that are lower level people that don't have access to
2: power? Here's what marketing needs to understand, right? Like back in the day when sales development or didn't exist or like AEs didn't have a way to call the right people, right? You can go on Zoom info and find people. You can go on LinkedIn and find people. As a sales rep, I would take any lead. Hey, somebody downloaded a webinar. Fuck yeah, like, just send them them over. I don't care if it's the intern. I'm going to call the intern and be like, hey, dude, so like who leads the engineering department at Coca-Cola, right? And like Mm -hmm. you would ask those questions and people would be helpful. Now that's lazy. Me Mm -hmm. calling the engineering intern who asked who is the director of engineering at Coca-Cola is like the dumbest thing you could ever do. I can go on LinkedIn and find it. And Mm -hmm. I don't even need to call and be like, could you give me his phone number? I can go Zoom in and find the phone number. The world has changed where like, marketing sending me interns or lower-level people is a waste of my time because those people don't have power. And me trying to call those people to ask who's the right person is like completely dumb because I can find who the right person is. So what do I want marketing to do? I want marketing to score accounts. I want marketing to tell me, Tito, Starbucks is engaging with our content. I think you should call them. And I say, cool do you have any directors or VPs or C-levels that have engaged with content? And they're like, no, it's all like marketing. Uh, It's all managers or individual contributors or interns. I'm like, no big deal. That's a signal that they're looking for something. And whatever they're looking for is to show up to their boss. I say, thank you, marketing. It's super helpful. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and Zoom info. I'm going to find my contacts. I'm going to call Starbucks. Uh, When I call Starbucks, I can call the director or the VP and say, hey, Morgan, I'm calling because... A few people at Starbucks have been engaging with our content about XYZ123. I don't know who exactly it was, but I just saw it on my website. I wanted to give you a quick call, see if I can ask you a few questions. Is that fair? I'd be like, Yeah, what's happening? Cool. Why are you guys looking at this? Companies that look at our content are usually looking for X, Y, or Z. Are any of those three top of mind? Oh, yeah, we're trying to do X. Okay, awesome. Let's get into a meeting, right? So give me the account. And if you have a contact that's very high value, fine, I'll take it. But after that. Don't bother. I go Zoom info. I'll go find the people.
0: Got it. Outstanding. That's that second step. We've got building that lit target accounts, building the sequences, went through marketing to SDR and SDR best practices. Where do we go from here? Is it, is it to a third step?
2: I mean, yeah. I think after you, you build it, now you need to increase collaboration and coordination, right? So like if marketing is saying, if I'm going to go research some accounts cold, As an SDR, I want to go to marketing and say, hey, marketing, I'm going to be reaching out to these 100 accounts over the next month. This is my three-week sequence. Can you start serving them ads? Right. So somebody picks up the phone like, hello, this is John. I can say, hey, John, this is Tito from Square. You might have seen some of our ads online or maybe an email I sent you. Um, I thought I'd give you a call. You have two minutes? Oh, yeah, cool. And if they've seen the ads and they've seen like Tito from Square sending me an email, they'll be like, okay, cool. Like, I've seen you around, but I didn't have time to go too deep. But... Sure, we're on the phone. What do you have? So that helps. The next thing is to coordinate with sales. What does sales... I'm going to say it this way. What can we agree agree upon with sales that they need in order to move deals forward? You can't just go in sales and say, hey, sales, what do you want? Because if I'm a sales guy, I'll tell you what I want. Yeah. I want VPs of certain companies that already have budget allocated and are ready to buy our solution. And ideally, they really like us already. Like, of course. But if we don't work at McDonald's, people don't show up to the drive through knowing exactly what they want, and they just order it, right? you got to convince them to actually go, go buy. What I would have an agreement upon with sales is, hey, sales, the whole marketing and go-to-market strategy has coordinated on these target accounts. We're only going to bring you a meeting with these target accounts. Are you okay with that? And they're like, yes, I love those accounts. Cool. The only other thing we're going to give you is a director-level plus person or... Somebody lower level, if and only if it's been referred down from a director or above, so you have access to power. Cool. And then when they get those meetings, somebody needs to hold them accountable. Because what's happening in today's day A&H and age is the VP of sales talks to their sales team and they're like, hey, Morgan, how are your deals going? And the only deals you talk about is the ones that are in contract negotiation yeah. or like pricing or about to close or late stage. Nobody asks their, their AEs Hey, Morgan, how's your top of funnel looking? How many net new meetings have you had the past right. two weeks? Nobody asked that. Nobody's responsible for that. Nobody's watching those call recordings. So what ends up happening is like marketing and sales are all putting a lot of effort to sending meetings to the AEs. And nobody's training them on how to convince a cold outbound prospect that they have a problem and they need to find a solution. AEs are selling solution, 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 solution. Who's educating the prospect on the problem? Almost nobody. And when I say that, sometimes I say, Tito, other than uh, sending cold outband emails and showing ads, how do you educate prospects on the problem? i like, sometimes I want to cry when I hear that question <laughs> because that's not educating. Let's talk about educating. Educating means that the person receiving your information or your messaging comes back to you and says, I've learned so much from what you've shared. This is helpful. If they haven't said, I've learned and this is helpful, you haven't educated anybody on anything. So when the prospect shows up to the call and you say, hey, Morgan, uh, we're a 12-year-old company that does this XYZ, one, two, three, here's our product. What are you looking for? You haven't educated shit. When the pro- prospect shows up to the meeting and you say, hey, prospect, question about your views on the industry and how it's shifting in regards to X. And i are like, hmm, I don't know. You're like, hey, you want to see something we've been noting, noticing? They're like, yeah, what's happening? Well, a lot of companies have been moving remote, and while moving remote, this is what's happened: and salaries are going up, and hiring employees is getting harder, and the work remote culture is very difficult. And these are the seven points that have helped uh, Zoom run a very effective remote company. Microsoft has done X, Y, Z, one, two, three. How are you thinking about those problems? And the prospect's like, "You're right. Yeah, that's an interesting trend, and and, and what you're saying, Mister AE, is very." Intriguing. I hadn't thought about it that way. Maybe you got to change the way I work. That is educating the prospect. And most people suck at it. If you get really good at that, that's how you land six and seven figure deals.
0: Awesome. There's to recap that there is no or is very little accountability at the AE level for net new meetings compared against that later stage stuff, right? Here's what's going to close. Here's what's in pricing, this is in negotiation, right? There's there's much less accountability there. A lot of times, yeah. not any e at all. To strengthen that SCR to AE handoff, the AE must educate the prospect and do that by, instead of typically what an AE would typically do, or like, let's say an average, at an average company to do is mining that person for information, right? About their deal cycle, or how they close deals, who handles what, just trying to take. You're giving them helpful industry insights specific information that your company has gained in, you know, this focused niche of what they do, right? And then you're getting them thinking, and then you're strengthening that bond to close. So you're opening that deal to close.
2: Yeah. And the problem here isn't like a problem of like lack of attention. It's a systemic problem. If you look at companies like deal stages, I usually see like first stage is qualification. Second thing is like proposal, contract negotiation, like close, like There's one stage called qualification, and then it goes into contract. That's, like, completely backwards to me. I would have many more stages up front. I would do, like, meeting, first meeting completed, educational, right? Scoping of problem, impact of resolving the problem agreed upon, mapping of requirements, then contract. Like, I'd have four stages where most people have one. Because you don't know why the deal went dark. Right. A lot of ease go to that first meeting. They have a great first meeting, and they leave that meeting stoked. Right. This happens all the time. Like, oh, such a great meeting, man. Coca-Cola, I'm so pumped. Cool. A month later, hey, what happened with Coca-Cola? They're like, oh, um, I don't know. I forgot to follow up. I don't know where they're at. Of course, it's cold outbound. You got to chase them. They're not going to be chasing you. Right. And if you don't pay attention, look, and if you haven't organized yourself, you're like, well, I'm not sending a contract yet, so it's still in qualification. But have you defined a problem? Have you understood the impact of the problem? Have you scoped any requirements? And if you haven't, do you understand even what you need to do with that prospect to take him from like, hello, we're a random XYZ SaaS company that wants to talk to you into all those steps. So because there's no steps, nobody's looking at it. Because nobody's looking at it, nobody's asking the AEs. Because nobody's asking the AEs, nothing moves. So like, here's what I would do as a company. I'd build a committee. I grab my three top AEs that are closing the most outbound. I grab two marketing people. I grab a sales operations and a sales enablement person and make that like my SWAT outbound team for hunting like the deals that we want. What do I do? I would make sure every call from every AE is recorded and every call from every AE is actually reviewed. I want marketing to review those calls because I want them to hear what pains the prospects are expressing. Right, And I want sales enablement and sales operations to mark things that they're hearing. And then I want them to do micro conversions. How many of those first meetings that are called outrun actually come for a second meeting? How many of those second meetings have a defined and agreed upon problem? How many of those second meetings get a third meeting because they have, in the second meeting, been able to quantify the impact of solving that problem? Are the people that come to the third meeting with a problem identified and impact identified do decide to scope out requirements. And then if you do all those things and you do those micro conversions, things completely change. Now you have visibility. Right now it's a black box. Right now it's like marketing and sales development kind of like share some leads and like that's a little bit messy and blah, blah, blah. Eventually some meetings come out. Right. Those meetings come <laughs> out, they get they get thrown over to sales and then sales grabs them. And if sales, if SDRs are being paid on some like early stage pipeline, all the AEs are going to be nice to their SDRs. So they're going to be helpful to their SDRs and they're going to just move it to stage two or to wherever so the SEO gets paid so Mm -hmm. that the SDR is not complaining about the AE being an asshole, right? Right. And then as soon as it hits that stage, it will die because Mm -hmm. nobody's controlling it moving forward. We're caring so much about the sales process that we're forgetting about the buyer's journey. As a buyer, what I want is education. Educate me on what this problem is and educate me on what is the impact of solving this problem. Once I understand the impact, I become curious about putting the time, effort, and money and people in order to solve the problem. So you now need to educate me on, now that I know the problem and the impact of solving the problem, I need to understand what are the inputs. How much time, effort, money, and people do I need to to input into solving this problem in order to get the outcomes of solving the problem? Once I have that, I want to go to my boss and present a project that I want to be working on in order to improve the company. Once you look at it from the buyer perspective, and once you bought stuff, I bought things worth $100,000, $50,000, $80,000, right? SaaS, software, different solutions. So I know how people buy. It's like buying a house or buying a car.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You, don't, you can't just grab a person that doesn't want to buy a car or a house and just take him to a new house and be like, here's the house. Well, do you want it? This is the cost. Like, they're like, I'm not shopping. Why should I even move neighborhoods? This is ridiculous.
0: Right. right.
2: So explain the impact of solving the problem.
0: I don't want to lead the witness here, but do you think that the reason behind this focusing more on the selfish sales process versus the buyer's journey is because the company has investor dollars, they need to get sales now, we're sacrificing the future to get what we need right now to get to this next round. Where does that come from?
2: I think it's very like here's the evolution of a company, right? In the early days, you raise some money and you're in the news and then a lot of inbound leads come through and then you get new investors and they have friends and then all these inbound leads come through and the pace at which you're hiring account executives is not keeping pace with the number of leads that you already have coming in, right? And then like all these things and you go to conferences and whatever and you're the big new shot and whatever, like everybody's looking at you and and the AEs are being served those inbound leads. At some point, your venture capital group says, okay, we need to 10x the growth. We need to 3x our sales team. And the marketing, the problem with marketing is marketing at small scales produces great results. But as you double, triple, quadruple your investment in marketing, you don't double, triple, quadruple your high-value quality leads. Very easy example. You're going to go to a conference. You're going to go to Dreamforce. You're going to put one booth, for $100,000, are you going to get 1,000 leads. Okay, next year, your company has said they want to double everything. So now you want to get twice as many leads from Salesforce. Can you just get two booths instead of one and double your leads? No fucking way. No way in the world. It's the same people walking the room.
0: Right.
2: You're going to double your money invested, Are you going to maybe get 10% more leads. Think about webinars. You start doing webinars. Okay, cool. You're doing one webinar per week and you get X many leads. You think if you do two webinars per week, you're going to get twice as many leads? No freaking way. How about online ads? You're spending $10,000 a month on online ads. You're getting X many leads. You think you spend twice as much, you get twice as many leads? No fucking way. Nothing doubles. The only thing that doubles linearly is outbound sales development on a golden list. You grab one SDR, you give them 100 accounts. You have another SDR, you give them another 100 accounts that are completely different. Mm-hmm. They can double. Mm-hmm. But webinars, trade shows, case studies, conferences, nothing. Double the effort, you don't double the leads. Mm-hmm. That's the hard part. And then the marketing leads stop coming in. So now you start, you need to go outbound. And the AEs are not used to selling problems they're used to selling solutions because marketing has already educated the market on the problem. So now we need this hybrid role. It's a pre-sales role. It's before it actually gets to the sales team, but it's the most important role in the company. It's selling the problem, not the solution. And that pre-sales team is the, the the really the key to success when you want to go hunt for six and seven figure deals via outbound.
0: Awesome. Now now, the I want to get and that leads into my next question about the future of sales development. And I want to talk about LinkedIn, having a LinkedIn presence too. But after that, that third step, increasing that collaboration, coordination with marketing and sales. Is that our final stop? Are we doing anything after that?
2: If you do that, you just need to, to make everything a feedback loop, like mm-hmm. measure and iterate, right? Like have sales ops look at how many net new meetings is every AE getting? What's the conversion to step two? Step conversion to from stage one to stage two, stage one is meeting held, stage two is like problem defined, stage three is impact defined, and you need certain criteria, you need to leave nodes, but you start looking at those conversions. And you look at it by several metrics, like was the conversion per AE? How is each AE converting? Okay, how about conversion by persona? If you sell a go-to-market strategy thing, how about when you talk to the revenue team versus sales ops team versus sales team versus marketing team? Are those converting into pipeline at a different rate? How about by industry of the companies you're talking to? How are retail companies versus CPG versus tech companies versus banking versus healthcare moving into pipeline? And start looking looking at the data and figuring out what's working. Once you know what's working, you double down on that and that's probably going to be a good niche. Those were the three steps, but unless you have a, Iterative machine that keeps looking at the data and bringing you good information. You're not going to learn. Got
0: it. So that's like a that's like a fourth, but it's essentially making sure that each one of those steps is tight. Making sure that looking at your results and figuring out how can we make this better. What do we need to double down on by measuring? Essentially, this quality over point? It's it goes actually goes right back to the first step of finding that golden list, right? You're using this information at the very end to then dictate, okay, how are we going to change that golden list back to the top and just keep moving that around?
2: A hundred percent. Yep.
0: We got a little bit of time left. I want to briefly touch on future of sales development and uh, LinkedIn presence. Doesn't have to be brief. I'd love to hear everything you got to say about this, but let's start with future of sales development. You talked about the pre-sales team. would love to hear your just high-level thoughts on where we're headed.
2: Yeah, I think we're headed to a world where some cool things happen, right? Where our approach to prospects Uh, feels to them much more personalized and they feel that you care. And the way that you make them feel that you care is by actually caring. Actually caring about solving a problem for a specific target account. Again, the way that you care is you're going to build that golden list. That's step number one. And then you're going to go all these steps. But let's look at it from the perspective of the prospect this time, rather than from internally in the company and what you need to do. If I'm a prospect and somebody wants to sell me, here's how they would impress me. Step number one, they would call me, and if they're smart, they're gonna use some sort of technology that's gonna let me know it's them. So, like, I know that like when Ally Bank calls me, I don't have Ally Bank on my phone. They're my bank. I don't have an Ally Bank saved on my phone. But when they call me, their my phone displays Ally Bank. I don't know how they do that, but that's kind of cool. But imagine when I'm calling you, it says sales. That'd be cool. Like at least I have a company name that I know who the hell it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Might decide to pick up, might decide not to. Still, 97% of people are not going to pick up the phone. Sure, I don't pick up the phone. What happens? I should get an email. And the email shouldn't say, like, Tito, we help companies like yours in industries like yours do things that maybe you will need as well, right? Like, that is generic lingo. It should say, Tito, looking at the Alt-Sales LinkedIn page, I see you've grown a headcount from 17 to 42 people over the past 18 months. Impressive growth, congrats. Your new head of uh, talent acquisition uh, is probably tasked with continuing the company growth. A lot of companies growing fast tend to need X, Y, and Z, and 1, 2, and 3. We just help this other company and that other company, which are in the same industry as me. You don't need to say that, but I already know because I'm seeing it. Right. Uh, grow from 40 employees to 100 employees. We love to chat. You caught my eye because it's personalized. And you're actually finding data that's relevant to the offering that you have. Right? What's going to happen? still 90% of people or 95% of people are going to ignore that email. You can't get bumped about it, right? But that also means you can't spend two hours writing that email because otherwise you're going to be sending four emails a day and then you're, you're screwed, right? So then, cool, I don't pick up the phone. What's the next thing that happens? I'm scrolling through LinkedIn or I'm on the web and I, get an e- I see an ad that says, Tito, let's build your world-class talent acquisition team. And it has the same company name that I saw on my phone when you called me. And I'm like, where do I know that name from? I might not even know, but I'm seeing it in a few places in a period of two or three weeks. And if that doesn't happen, I get a LinkedIn request. It says, "Tito, I really wanted to chat with you. By the way, congrats on the recommendation having a LinkedIn profile from Jenny. I love that you are a big Real Madrid fan. Whatever. Like, uh, let me know when you have 20 minutes for a quick chat. I really are. I'm part of X Company, which I recognize again." We're trying, we, we help. you might've seen my email, cheers, right? Or instead of cheers, it says, un gusto. Like now they say something in Spanish because they saw my LinkedIn profile that I speak Spanish. Holy cow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then I might ignore that again, right? Again, only five or 7% of people are gonna reply to each of these touches. And if I ignore it, what are they gonna do next? They might send me a video. They might like do something else. They might coordinate some effort. They might have their boss respond to that email because their boss was cc'd and their boss will now respond and say oh tito that was tito we're really trying to get in touch with you you're part of our like 10 20 companies that we have identified would benefit the most from our product i think you're gonna find this like incredibly relevant for the company am i having a quick chat or maybe should we push back to like three or six months down the road like at some point we you gotta give us a quick chance again seven percent of people are going to respond but that's what you got to do. You got to make sure that each touch, you don't do a million touches. You don't just email Blast to fuck it or everybody. You send very purposeful, like five to seven touches with a few bumps. So that will take you to the eight to 15 touches to each prospect. And they're hyper-personalized and they feel good to the prospect. It's and then creating, that's how you get people's attentions.
0: And creating an environment where it's it's very hard to ignore you, right?
2: Because yeah, it's very hard to ignore you while you're never annoying. Like, I right. want to get in your radar. Like, mm-hmm. here's what I want the, the, the perspective to be. If I am reaching out to you for three weeks, and on week fourth, somebody asks, hey, have you heard of altic I don't want any prospect to say, no, what the fuck's is cells? And I also right. don't want any prospect to say, of course, those fuckers are so annoying. <laughs> Neither of those two is good. And they're like, no, what the hell is Altisells? None of my like messages caught their eye. I didn't get you on the phone. I didn't get you via email. I didn't get you on LinkedIn. I didn't get you here. And maybe it was because I didn't use enough channels. If I did l- email only, some people get 700 emails and their spam filters are crazy. So like, I'm not getting through, so you'll never hear me. Maybe you're not the type of person who picks up the phone. If I'm only doing phone, you won't hear from me. Maybe you don't do either. So phone and email won't work. But if I do LinkedIn and LinkedIn ads and video and this and that, like more people and just send me an SMS, like do something different. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I want them to say, like, oh, yeah, I heard of Alta Sales. I haven't checked them out yet. What do they do? Okay. That's an improvement. If they're like, oh, yeah, the sales development outsourcing company. Yeah. We don't need that right now. I, I, I heard of it. Okay. Good. But if I keep messaging. Once they're there, they're going to be like, yeah, the annoying sales development outsourcing company keeps fucking blasting me. I hate them. I burned out a bridge without ever them even responding. I still, the bridge was burned because they I give them a bad feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
2: why I don't make my, my sequences longer than 15 touches ever because I know I'm annoying too many people. They're going to block my domain. I can't get through six months from now. So you got to also balance the short-term results versus the long-term results. And I think where where sales development is going, much more data-driven, much more personalized, but also much more streamlined. So the SDR doesn't need to do every job in the sequence of building the target accounts, personalizing the emails, writing the cold calling scripts, leaving the voicemails, sending the SMS, doing the videos. It's too much work. And switching tasks is overwhelming. So I think we need to... Do a little bit of a better job in uh, segmenting those into into micro jobs and build like an assembly line. And that's what we've been doing here for the for the past four years. And clearly the results speak for themselves.
0: Awesome. Is that how long you put a a, a company who doesn't respond on the back burner six months and then come back?
2: Yep. I, I'd say six months and come back. And the reason six months is good enough is because priorities change. If you ask me what I was worried about six months ago versus right now, it's different, mm-hmm. right? Like six months ago, like we weren't hiring anybody. Now, holy shit! Like we're hiring eight eight SDRs. Like my priorities are different. Eight months ago, I was trying to increase pricing and solve the SDR the marketing to SDR handles. Now we got that figured out. And somebody reaches out to me to like Tito, I know how to get more more uh, juice out of your marketing leads. I'd be like, not interested. You messaged me six months ago. I'd be like, oh yeah, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Six months ago, you're like Tito, we help companies hire better talent faster. I'd be like, nope. You talk to me now, I'd be like, "Yep." And if you did a really good job six months ago, I would have saved your email and be like, "Whenever I need this, I'll get back to them." Right. And I would look for my inbox and I would have gone back to you. So by being excellent, you will get more inbound leads. Outbound drives inbound. Inbound doesn't do a lot for outbound, but outbound drives a lot of inbound. I can't tell you how many times you're like, like one of my clients says. Oh, Tito, we just closed a huge deal with Priceline. Like, it came inbound. We're so excited. And then they come to like, Tito, I think our inbound channel is working better than outbound. I'm like, yeah, your inbound channel? I'm like, that deal you closed with Priceline? The demo request that came on February 14th? We started reaching out to Priceline on on January 20th. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like,
2: they finished their sequence on February 22nd. Sure! (laughs) It was luck. Sure, it was luck. What a coincidence. I don't think it was a coincidence. I think I just called the meeting. You never gave me credit. And now you're defunding sales, outbound sales development because inbound is working better. Good luck mm-hmm. with that. You're going to shut it down. You're going to go do inbound for three months or six months or nine months. You're going to be like, I think we need to try this outbound again. Last time it didn't work. Guess mm-hmm. what? It might have worked. You just didn't look at the metrics right. Right. You you even look at it, out of those inbound leads you're getting, how many times your SEOs have reached out? Have they reached out recently? You never know. <laughs> Might have even been one of those emails that we emailed them six months ago. They're like, yeah, I don't need this right now. Six months later. Like, you know what? I need X. And I think I once got an email about it. They look for their inbox. They're like, yeah, here it is. Alti sales. And then they call inbound. And the, and in, and the marketing team is like, yeah, we're getting people inbound. It's hard to do attribution. I'm not right. expecting it to be perfect. I'm just saying if something's being... Like, misattributed negatively is outbound. Mm-hmm. Alba never gets as much credit as it produces, right? Because sure. Alban can drive inbound, but whenever you get an inbound and we book a meeting, the marketing team says that was inbound. Right. Whenever we go outbound and then it comes inbound, we never get credit. Right. It's very unfair. But it is what it is. You got to deal with the industry. You got you to work with people that trust the process. You got to be working with smart CROs that understand the value of sales development and outbound targeting beyond just how many meetings are we getting. There's the value of educating the market and putting your name out there in a smart way and talking to the right people. How else are you going to get the VP? Right? Like you just call this, the chief information security officer at Verizon. Imagine I ask marketing, hey, go get me the chief information security officer at AT&T. Go. What are they going to do? Like, Facebook ads. What are they gonna do? Like a webinar? I like cross our fingers and pray to God that the CISO at ATT comes in. CISO at ATT never fucking does webinars. He's too busy with all this shit. Right. You need outbound. That's the only way.
0: Right. Hallelujah. There we are. I love it. LinkedIn. What do we need to know about LinkedIn? As a personal
2: uh, about branding. Like building your presence? Yeah. Here's what I'll tell you. It depends what you're optimizing for. If you tend to sell to people who hang out on LinkedIn, I'd make sure my LinkedIn presence is really good and it's company oriented. We can go look at my LinkedIn presence, right? It says I build world-class SDR teams, and that attracts both the employees and the clients, right? The background picture is the background of a really nice office with balloons. It looks like a great environment, like things that I care about, right? And 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 I'm Building a presence for my prospects. Now, I'm a CEO, so I'm really optimizing for the success of my company. The success of my company is my own success. If you're an individual contributor, you know you got to start thinking what do you want to optimize for. If you're not optimized for your prospects taking meetings with you as an SDR, you should talk about like how awesome your product is and what problems it solves for other people. If you're not optimized for your own success and promotions, and you want to try to get poached, go on LinkedIn and be like. Quota crusher, X many quota last year, X much quota that last quarter, like top rep of the year, presence club attendee, blah blah blah, like brag a little bit about all your success. Recruiters are gonna, you're gonna catch the eye of recruiters. Optimize your LinkedIn presence for who you want to catch the eye of. Do you want to catch the eye of your prospects? Do you want to catch eye, the eye of recruiters. And optimize for your own life. I think that's the way to do. Good now, extent. if you're stuck at your job, you can't brag about your personal success, so you better use your LinkedIn to optimize for your prospects' benefits and try to go hit quota. Once you've hit quota several times and you're annoyed of your company, you want to leave, optimize for recruiters, right? You can switch it around. Just it
0: mm-hmm.
2: Manage it periodically. Think about what is the experience of the person interacting with you. If you optimize for the experience of the people interacting with you, you win. This is both for SDRs, AEs, marketing. It doesn't matter who you are. Optimize for the experience of the people who are going to be talking to you. What do you want them to feel and think? And if you can think about that carefully, uh, you're probably going to win.
0: Do you follow anything post-wise? I know you write some pretty prolific articles on LinkedIn. Do you follow any any set cadence or anything for that? Posting articles? Like, What do you typically follow?
2: I don't. Everything I talk about is me complaining about the world of sales (laughs) development and providing solutions. And I have one of the best posts that I think I've ever written is coming out tomorrow, which is exciting for me. Like, I finally figured out a lot of things about this um, marketing to sales development, sales motion, all these things. A lot of the market hasn't caught up because, again, not I'm the only guy out there who's like living and dreaming and thinking about sales development all day, every day. And on top of that, uh, maybe I'm not the only one there. Like, you have a lot of consultants that are doing that. But here's why I win. On top of being a consultant that can help you solve these problems, I run the SDR team for like 15 different companies at any given point, and they're in different stages. And I can see how some companies have solved certain problems that I can teach the early stage companies, and what are the things that the companies are struggling in later stages that I can prevent the early companies to to struggle with. I can say, "Oh, oh, you're doing territories? Okay, let me tell you the problem. You right now have three AEs, so territories is easy. But this other company now has 15 AEs. And now they have to s- split states by zip codes. And it's a pain in the ass. And look at, like, you just get a lead from the, you know, uh, director of marketing. He's based in Peru, works for ESPN. Who's going to take that lead? You have a sales rep that covers Peru. So that could be him. But guess what? ESPN Latin America, their headquarters is in Argentina. So you probably don't want to give it to the Peru rep. That's an Argentina account, so you give it to the Argentina rep. But wait a second. ESPN is actually owned by Disney. And Disney is actually an account based in the U.S. So it should go to the U.S. rep. But the U.S. rep doesn't speak Spanish. So can he take the call? And then wait a second. When you look at the U.S., ESPN has its main offices in Connecticut though they do have the LATAM division in Florida. But wait, Disney is actually a company based in California. So it's the Peru rep, the Florida rep, the Argentina rep, the Connecticut rep, right? I do alphabetical. Somebody's going to be pissed off. Somebody's going to be pissed (laughs) off, (laughs) right? Even worse if they're like, hi, I was recommended to you guys by a colleague. Can I get a proposal? Yeah. It's a layup. Yeah. That's that's free commission coming, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have five reps fighting for it because the rules aren't clear because it's territory. Territory according to what? right? And these happens all the time at big companies. Uh, Even they do the territories. And then it's like, what zip code? Well, that zip code. But the office is in this zip code. Okay, but they have another office in this other zip code. Like, shit. It's it's a whole problem. And now every company is remote. So it's even worse. Absolutely.
0: So you assign the E for ESPN. So the E rep gets it.
2: Correct. And it doesn't have to be just one letter. So what what when you what happens when you have 40 reps? There's not 40 letters in the alphabet. And mm-hmm. even if there were, like, it's not going to be equally distributed. So one goes from like A to B E S. The other one goes from like B E T to you know D A F. Right? And you have very strict cutoffs. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So whoever owns the letter E followed by the S followed by the P, that's the guy who got ESPN. And you go by the URL. So the URL says ESPN, it's ESPN. If it says Disney+, Plus, it's Disney. That's how you do it. That's the rep that gets it. Um, And there's going to be nuances there, right? Like, I think it's a much better solution than the territories, but nothing is perfect. Because then what if the Disney Plus rep was already working that account and that's, uh, you know, a colleague of the other rep and it it's part of the same deal. Okay, fine, mm-hmm. you're to send it to the other rep, right? Like, But that, that happens the same with territories. Like, it's the same thing. At least what it solves is throwing lines on a map and like SDR calls outbound, books a demo with a company and they're like, instead of having to go look like, Where's the HQ? Okay, it's in Texas. Okay, Texas is solved by four reps. So I'm gonna figure out the zip code. Oh shit. They have a big campus that encompasses four zip codes. God damn it, two different <laughs> reps own the zip codes of the campus. Shit. Yeah. Right? Like who owns this account? Now? Wasted
0: effort. Wasted yeah, and it's effort. a lot.
2: And then you gotta ask the Slack channel, and then everybody gets interrupted and the AE start fighting. Like mm-hmm. I just wanna prevent that little problem. And that little right. problem when it happens five times a month. It's annoying. And the bigger the company, the bigger the problem. So I just say ESPN. Okay. ESP. Uh, Jenny. Okay. Jenny, here you go. Problem solved.
0: Done. Oh boy. I need a cigarette after that one. <laughs> Altisales.com. Altisales.com. You check out Tito and his company. Tito, where's people hit you up if they're interested in working with Altisales or just learning more about sales building?
2: Yeah, just read my content. A lot of our clients, you know, we help them with outbound sales development. 20% of our clients don't have SDRs, 80% of them do. So we're more of the consulting really than on the outsourcing. But every time we deploy a team, we give you a small team that's going to bring all the best practices in house and we're going to let you copy. But if you're listening to the podcast and you're an SDR or an AE or whatever else, find me on LinkedIn. I'm going to be posting a lot of things that I think you're going to either find relevant for yourself or relevant for your management. And you can like it, share it, comment on it, share with your peers, whatever else. Start the discussion. And let's really start slowly but surely changing how sales development is done and let's implement these best practices and let's uh, let's move the world forward when it comes to uh, sales development.
0: Let's do it. Tito, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me, Morgan. Talk soon. Bye-bye.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening.